Ho, 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 everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your Jolly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from naughty to nice. I'm Adam Claus. Zach, what? No, you have a name. You have names. (laughs) That was still my name. It just had claws after it. Like Santa Claus? No? Okay. I tried. We don't do bits here. This is Christmas. We got to give joy and cheer to everybody. No, 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 Adam... no, no, no. This is not Christmas. It is Chris's Miss. It is the second annual Chris's Miss, and we have technically the third. Well, third. it's the second annual Chris's Miss. Uh, but before Chris's Miss, there was Christy Miss. Uh-huh. That's right. Which was which was just Christy. Chris and Christy Edelman are here, folks. <laughs> hey. I was about to leave when you said no bits. I, like that's <laughs> really not our thing. Christy only knows bits. Yep. Listen, we all we all do love bits around here, regardless of what the iTunes reviews say. Sometimes our bits are good. Who's <laughs> to say? <laughs> Well, we uh, welcome the Edelmans who always have the best bits on uh, their podcast, Chris's on Infinite Earths. Thank you. Um, welcome back. And uh, today we are going to talk about some holiday comics, specifically some uh, a couple Chris Claremont joints and uh, another holiday special. It is so, shocking uh, to me how many X-Men Christmas comics there are. The, the really? Fact We're that running out. My... My third Christmas episode on this. I yeah. That means there's at least nine. And there were our Christmas episodes before the ones that I was. Yeah, on. we got the we got the easy ones out early. Yeah, uh, but to wit, literally as we were as Adam and I were sitting there, a new X Men Christmas comic appeared on the Marvel Unlimited app. <laughs> a brand new one within the time we had started recording. That's not a joke. <laughs> goodness which is great i mean that means more content for next year right uh this for, close for... to being like hey forget one of these stories we're gonna do this fresh off the presses <laughs> comic by ryan north and we didn't do that uh no 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 um because well we have to start with a 100 page monster or at this least isn't that's a 100 page monster there's just three other comics that they printed with this i was gonna say did they just throw yeah. a bunch of backups at the like reprints yeah, they threw a bunch of backups of other stories we covered on previous Christmas episodes. <laughs> hey. Okay, okay. Uh, but this is uh, X-Men Volume 2, number 109, written by Chris Claremont and penciled by Thomas Derenick, uh, Rich Ketchum and Norm Rappin on inks, and yeah, liquid so colors. <laughs> This comes out in 2000. Uh, Christy, I'm curious. What do you know about what was going on with the X-Men in the year 2000? This is always a fun question for me because I feel like I have read such a smattering of the timeline of X continuity that I don't I don't know. I have I have no guesses like I've read this. Um, obviously, we still have Betsy Braddock in in Silex or in Psylocke in the Quanin's body, and that's you know interesting. 
I guess. Um, I also this is such this is a huge blind spot for me X Men wise as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y'all, this is a weird one, um, which is part of why we picked it. Uh, this is this is nearly the last story that Claremont does on this title. I, I think it is. He stops doing adjectiveless X Men, um, for a while. So what had happened is, or in early two thousand, uh, they brought Chris Claremont in to write the X Men, um, and it was bad. Yep. And he stops writing the X Men about six to eight months later. Mm. He started with X Men number one hundred and nines his last issue. Whew. <laughs> did, did, did Claremont introduce uh, sort of? I feel like one of our main characters in this, Neil Shara. Yeah, yeah, Neil Shara. Uh, you you know about Thunderbird three, right? Uh, he I, I can't remember anything about him. Uh, Christy's making honest. a face. <laughs> this is the third. The third. I, I know that he's Thunderbird three. This is the third mutant known as Thunderbird. Okay, because I saw I saw Thunderbird as the code name. I was like, that's not Thunderbird. What are they talking about? I don't understand. <laughs> okay, so you're not alone. So there's some okay. uncomfortable implications. No. Mm. It's going to get more uncomfortable when I explain I'm why like, he's Thunderbird he's 3. He's from India. Why is he? Yep. Okay. There you go. There you go. You figured it out. Mm-hmm. It's not good. They were mm-hmm. they were, they were were going to name him after a Hindu uh, fire god uh, whose name I am blanking on right now. And they decided since Hindu is a active religion that maybe they weren't going to do that. Which I think is a very, like, that's a very heads up move. From the part of Marvel saying, I don't know, maybe it's good, maybe it's not. We're not really close enough to Hindu to know if we're going to offend somebody. So maybe we just don't. Uh, right, that's shocking that's weird. for year 2000 but Marvel. But the backup choice is that. Oh, no. <laughs> it is they also it. bad. <laughs> they had such good intentions that they muffed it hard. It's <laughs> also weird that Claremont had also done that before. He had also already in Marvel, I think it's Marvel Team Up with Spider-Man and the X-Men named like a whole bunch of characters after uh, Hindu religious figures, but you know, whatever. Uh, it's fine. One it's... thing we can say about Neil Shara, he likes to just jump into a children's snowball fight. He does. <laughs> I, the It is such a Claremontian opening with the, like he describes it as if it's like some epic battle. Oh Yeah. I mean, they have a pretty substantial like snow fort there. They do. Colossus destroys these children's snow fort. Good. Good. <laughs> do you, do you... You'd never know that these kids are having a bad time, though. Like these, this group of of super powered adults just like totally invaded their snowball fight, and they're just like, "This is great." I'm thinking if this is me as a kid, I'm pissed. I'm like, you just messed up my snow fort, dude. I was working on that for days. Mm-hmm. Um, do we, do we feel like Thomas Derenick is doing his best Howard Porter or is that this just the style at the time? Howard Porter was the, the penciler of the JLA that JLA, yeah. that Morrison did. It is similar ish to me. Maybe that's just the colors at the time that, that it's like making me feel that way. No, I mean, I think there's, I think there's something there. Uh, I am not actually very familiar with Thomas Derenick. I don't think he did a ton. 
of X-Men stuff. He only did 33 issues for um, Marvel. Oh, he did an issue of the of the Grant Morrison run of New X-Men. Oh, wow. He was he was one of the he was one of the fill in guys there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Rough for him. I mean, yeah, the, I can't win. Them all. The, the, it's just fine. Yeah, the it's art's totally like a, fine. Very house kind of like a Mark Bagley style, like just house style. If I had to name okay. the style, it would be balloon boobs. <laughs> oh, no. oh, well, OK. Yes. <laughs> well, they, and I think that they're all like perfectly. They, they are. Miracle. But also the coloring there does not do it any favors. Like it's like, how can we color regular like cotton fabrics to look like latex mm-hmm. it's it's not great mm-hmm. yeah which which makes it interesting when this is a story about a bunch of strong-willed women going off and saying i don't trust xavier to do the right thing so we're gonna do the right thing instead this is the whole like destiny has a bunch of books about what's gonna happen and there's yeah this is the start this is like the start of the destiny diaries i know which is well, still being followed up on now. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. But no, no, no. Which, what you're highlighting is that this issue really exists just to like set up extreme X-Men. Correct. More or less. That's what it yeah. feels like. I mean, there's even a part of this issue where storm kind of like calls out the roster. Um, I, it's not perfect. Like it, it, it will eventually be a little bit different, but uh, I thought the know. purpose was to see Colossus in clown makeup. <laughs> They do There's kind of some... randomly do a circus <laughs> there, Tord. There is some weird clown content on this episode. We're going to get back to that. There is a shocking because... amount of X-Men in circuses, just in general. <laughs> but it is weird that we cut from, like, being in this winter wonderland to Nightcrawler just, like, cameoing as trapeze artist. Like, okay. He's hanging out with Cerise, who... I don't think had been seen for at least five years before this, if not more. Yeah, he's real well, cuddly with her. Wow, yeah. I thought this was like something ongoing. Like it really projected that this was a serious thing that was happening. They had dated back in the Alan Davis run of Excalibur. Uh, but when Scott Lobdell took over the book, he promptly wrote her out. Um, so is this wait. the first time Cerise was in the book? in any x book since that time because you know I what totally it see claremont looks that. like if i'm <laughs> looking at this right uh you know about uh maximum security the crossover maximum security adam no that's the I, one that takes I, place I know what that is. no chris have you guys covered maximum security we no, have not that's not the one that takes place in space well space is involved so what happens uh-huh. aren't we all in space at all times really true uh sure you know how uh, the Earth has a lot of super super people around? True. Yes. Well, the Shi'ar at one point got really freaking tired of that and said, hey, um, we have a lot of super criminals, so we're going to turn Earth into a prison planet and put all the bad guys there. That's they a fun idea. They didn't consult Earth first. <laughs> I like that. That's a fun idea. Didn't they already have a space prison? Why did they need a Yeah, like the Shi'ar Empire is like several galaxies, right? Like you think they could (laughs) figure something out. They are empire. They did. And what they figured out was the same thing that the Kree wanted, which was, let's just put them on Earth. Earth sucks. They bother us so much. Is Earth the Australia? Of the the galaxy? Apparently. (laughs) All right, wait. This had something to do with Ceres? 
Oh, she she was she's she was in that crossover. Hey. That crossover oh. happens right <laughs> okay. before this. Cool. That's great. that's how that's how they got reconnected. Good for oh. them. Well, that's nice. Uh, I'm happy for Nightcrawler. Not connecting. Anytime Nightcrawler can make out with a bird. (laughs) (laughs) But he's got to go be Uh, holy and a priest. Yeah, speaking of birds and making out, uh, Psylocke and and Warren, uh, not getting along, actually. Um, He's a little jealous of the way she's interacting with Thunderbird. So breaks up with In her. his defense, she's about to make out with Thunderbird for like no reason several times and unprompted gives gives him nudes, which I feel like Well it, it is it is we don't know what's known, in that box. But we think it's it's gotta be in a, it's gotta be something like that though. It is weird that she says something to remember me by. And then everybody's like, show us what she got you. And he's like, I am absolutely I, not gonna do that. I like that you guys <laughs> all jump to nudes and not like used panties i don't uh, that's another disturbing theme of this episode (laughs) so we'll come back to that uh what is wrong with this episode there's clowns and underwear thieves we're all very (laughs) tired and we're all thinking about what gifts that we want to be giving or receiving this year figuring out how we can uh how do you say Keep the Christmas spirit alive, I think. Zach, are you saying you want nudes for Christmas? <laughs> I mean... I'm going to have to put another us. warning on the, on this episode. <laughs> Christy, you're, you're, you're making it the not safe for work. Incredible. Listen, it's, well, it's Christmas. Somebody already said nudes. I didn't bring up nudes. Chris That's Claremont right. said nudes. Hey, hey. Chris Claremont started it. Fun fact, folks, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear a little bit more from Chris Claremont <laughs> at the end of this episode. But uh, this last weekend, as we're recording this, I did get a chance to ask Chris Claremont very academically what was up with all the bondage. <laughs> he refused to answer. He answered. He said he was English. That's not an answer. That's nonsense. What? That's non sequitur. <laughs> There were words that came out of his mouth in response to your question. You should have showed him this comic and said, what's in the box? <laughs> no, we did. We did right after that. Friend, friend of the side, Ian Gregory, did ask Chris Claremont if he still believes the movie The Exorcist is Jesuit propaganda, as he said in a Marvel magazine from the 70s after he just watched it. <laughs> he did Chris seem Claremont flabbergasted. Was not happy about that and did ask, talk to me the other, the next day, did not know who I was, saying, Yeah, did you go to that panel? Those two questions were wild. What was up with that? <laughs> I don't know, Chris Claremont's son. I don't know, buddy. Pretty sure ask they taped that what panel. He was up to. Oh, pretty sure they record- taped it. No, no, bud, it's recorded. There is video. Oh, you can, boy, you guys I'm can saying. see it for yourself. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like, Oh, that's the guy that interviewed me. Nah, um, I'll never watch this again. What's no. this comic? What is this comic? It it, it is just kind of some Christmas cheer in comic form, really. I mean, we get kind of an opening all together scene, and then we just get little individual vignettes throughout, and we're all reunited, and it's Christmas. So eventually, Beast puts on a, a Santa Claus outfit. That wait, is that this one? No, it's not this That's one. Not this My one. apologies. No, this one. That's okay. Um. This one, Beast just gets to make out, and I'm not about that. With Trish. With Trish. With yeah. Trish Trilby. I, 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 don't, I don't want Beast to be happy, so. He was not as terrible worry, at this point. He's with Trish Trilby. <laughs> uh, this is, 
This is before he lied about being gay to make Trish jealous for breaking up Which with him. Which was bizarre. That's a e- Morrison Excuse choice. me, you're going to have to like back that up and break that down for me. In There's the Morrison run, at one point when he's talking to Trish Trilby after they break up, he's like, actually, I think I might be gay. And then later was like, I'm absolutely not gay. Yeah, what happens is Scott Scott and him are walking somewhere and he's like, Beast, what are you doing? This is so weird. You're not gay. Like, <laughs> it's cool if you are, but you and me both, like, know that you're not. So what's going on? Anyway, he so, is just doing it for attention. It's not so the most graceful thing in that run. Okay, so it was just his way of saying, I wasn't that into you to begin with. And like, yes. yes, okay, he's doing it. He's doing it because he's a petty little man. Yeah, but it is weird given that Trish and him and him were together for quite a bit of time in continuity. You know what I mean? Listen, Mor- Morrison, love that Morrison is living the truth right now. They obviously had a lot of thoughts on a lot of things and didn't know the right way to express them for several years. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I agree with uh, Christie's assessment that this is just kind of a series of random vignettes. Uh, I, I didn't mind the issue. I mean, I do. I do like the through line that Storm is like, "Oh no, I absolutely do not trust Charles Xavier." Yeah, anymore. that's good. Yes. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I thought it. Uh, um, this was probably my favorite of the three, to be honest. Okay. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um. I mean, huh. it's certainly, yeah. mm. certainly not no. a classic by any means. No, no, no. I'm not. I, no. Look, I'm not going to like. I mean, the art was definitely. Well, we haven't even talked about it yet, but it's not the best art of the three. I'm interested in what Christie's thought on the yeah, best I art actually, of the three. I actually think <laughs> it, is think it is the best art of the three. I'm sorry. The balloon boobs are. They ruin it for me. Oh, well, it's it's also possible because. Well, we'll we can talk about it later. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm very. So curious to see. I just felt like these were really, this had some really cool, like kinetic panels. Uh, I think the action flowed like decently enough. I mean, for everyone, everyone was nice. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, for turn of the century Claremont, this is, this is pretty good. You know, he's, he's got the voices, of the characters still, um, he's leading somewhere. He's doing his check-ins with all of them, even if they're kind of weird. And, uh, I, I found it kind of enjoyable. You know, even if it's a little less uh, like a sweet holiday celebration than it is, um, like I said, the the setup for the next Claremont series. Yeah, it's like a linker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going back to look at the colors because I'm wondering if the balloon boobs are are the the shine, but or whatever that would be the the colors. Definitely the the, it's definitely partly colors. I don't know what that is. What. Liquid. Oh, liquid. Liquid exclamation mark. Yeah. Oh, that's they what it, were, I thought it was. That liquid. was that was a that was a coloring group. Yeah, I I'm not about or a person or a person. I don't know. Uh, it was a, no, a I studio. Think liquid was like a collective. You know, it's like I thought Guru FX was a collective, and then no, I Guru it FX to be a is person. a dude, which is wild. <laughs> we have we have lots of round like planets and and lots of fabrics that aren't do not cling to people that cling to people i'm very much critiquing the clothing the 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 clothing is not depicted well here sure and that that that's just (laughs) something that i don't that does not bother me as much and it as somebody who studied (laughs) costume design it very much bothers me right i would love to hear this same take when we get to salvador la roca chris i think there's people (laughs) like you and me who are so ingrained in that just this is what superhero comics look like and we all have to accept it 
that we don't notice what I think is a fair criticism. I'm uh, not saying it's not a fair criticism. It is just like, I, Chris, why are you being so sexist and not listening <laughs> to this very fair point? Honestly, I don't know why that, you're trying to fight this, buddy. Now that Christie's mentioned it, I'm just flipping through the issue, and it's all I can, all I can paint. Everybody's so shiny. The very specific glare that is placed on each orb. <laughs> 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 it's really, really a lot. Uh, well, right, why, why don't we folks, rank, we this, rank thing? this one? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not even like top half, right? Oh, so, well, let's introduce well, the list before we start yeah, got, talking tops whole, or bottoms. We've got a whole pitter-patter on this one. Um, we have uh, 588 comics on our road to 600 that wow. we have ranked from Naughty to Nice. Uh, the nicest comic is number 69 on this list, which is Iron Fist 15. But the number one comic on this list is Hawksbox. Uh, number 100 is Wolverine slash Dupe. Number 200 is X-Men the Manga. Uh, number 300 is X-Factor Happenings in Vegas. Number 400 is uh, the Jim Lee Mojo arc. Uh, number 500 is Iceman Volume 1. And the Draco's at the very bottom. Is this better or worse than the Jim Lee Mojo arc at 400? It is worse. Yeah. Okay. Now you're making me think. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I want brain we? empty no thoughts. Um, is this better or worse than number four fifty on our list, which is all new X Men four through seven? That time they go to Paris and Toad hits Cyclops with a whiskey bottle. Uh, this is better than that, but it is not as good as four thirty seven, which is X Factor Judgment War. This isn't better than the King Hyperion stuff in nope. Exiles. No, it is not. Which is below that. Um. um Probably, probably better than Life and Times of Lucas Bishop. Yep. And probably better than New Mutants 36 Subway to Salvation. Have you guys read any of these wild comics? We read we Life and Times of Lucas yeah. Bishop on purpose. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That's got that's got it's got it's okay. got I saw Strowman, but like Strowman outside of the nineties where like whoever was inking and coloring Strowman was like just it's I can tell you specifically, it's the colors because mm-hmm. I saw this weekend at C2E2 some like 2000s era Larry Stroman like commissions and pinups that he had done. They're good. Gorgeous. It's the coloring. I've, it's the color. I've that's, met him in real life. He does. He, he used to come to all the Kansas City shows. I, I don't know where he lives, but for he used to come like, to every single one. Uh, yeah. Also, I, Chris, I didn't mention this because I do want to make you just. I did get to see some uh, Jack the King Kirby art, like a lot of pages. Yeah, yeah, they rule. Yeah, it's. I don't. That guy's pretty good at comics, from what I understand. They had a whole folder, and everything was like alphabetical except for this one folder that said KK, and I got very nervous for a second, and then I realized, I realized what they were trying to do and how they needed to do something differently. Mm-hmm. They should have just put JK there. And been okay. Or just but... put like curb, you know, something. <laughs> anyway, I did not purchase an original Kirby page. They're very expensive. Uh, it's because no I have a mortgage. It's so much. Uh, this is probably better than Cyclops Retribution, right? It Adam? is, but I don't think it's as good as that time that Cable killed the X-Men and Magneto took over the U.S. And what if? Okay, so this is 442. Perfect. Perfect. All right, so um, we're going to stick with X-Men Volume 2, 
but we're going to jump to number 165. The cover says it's Chuck Austin, but it's not. It is absolutely yeah. Chris Claremont. Yeah. Because I, I was like, Chris Claremont. I was bracing myself because I was like, oh, and then I was like, oh, it's it's Claremont. It says it in the credits. This is also Salvador La Roca, who I've come to really not appreciate. But this is like. I saw, speaking of Salvador La Roca, I also saw a ton of like extreme X-Men era Salvador La Roca pencils. Uh, pages. Those are actually good. Yeah, like, I think why, the are, the, those are, why are those better than they are now? Um, I, I think it's because he's trying less hard now. Like his, he's, his star Wars that he recently less. did was like, was like abusive. Bad. It was like, it, I say, I'm kidding. Like, obviously there's been a lot of obviously stuff about, art, art, two dimensional art can't hurt. It you cannot hurt physically. me, but it, it was, ugh. It was like bad traces from movie stills over and over and over and over. You've, you've seen that shot from his Uncanny X-Men where Scott and Jean are reuniting for the first time. And he lovingly details the folds of her butt as he's grabbing it. Yeah, Cyclops literally has like the hand on it. it, it he, he did that like on purpose. I can appreciate that. <laughs> it doesn't look it's, good, Chris. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, it's. She looks like contorted and it's like it's centered weird because Emma's also in the shot. Oh. And Logan. They're both That's looking right. on like, ugh, these two. Yep. <laughs> Little do they know a month later. Speaking of contortions, this issue opens with a full page spread of uh, Laura Kinney in a really weird pose. Yeah, I forgot that she kind of had like a saber tooth outfit for a little bit, huh? But yeah, she's but she's wearing that's not fang, saber tooth. That's fang, baby. Fang from uh, outer space. Oh, oh from, sure. um, I'm sorry. You may know him as Timberwolf from the <laughs> Legion of the Superheroes. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Th- that's right. Because Fang is literally the Shi'ar who is Timberwolf because all the Shi'ar guardians are Legion of Superheroes members. Because Dave Cockrum's a big old nerd. He sure is. <laughs> Oh, rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> um, so the X-Men start this issue by saving a bunch of people. That's nice. Uh, all those people sort of hate and fear them. That's not as nice. X-23 is assigned to room with Kitty and Rachel. Awkward. And they were roommates. <laughs> sure they were. <laughs> and they were roommates. <laughs> I did uh, not. I Here's the thing. I don't think they were roommates previously to them saying, and now also you're going to have a third in your room. Yeah, it's it's an interesting touch. This is like um, not. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. This is very soon after Laura was rescued, correct? Yeah, and rescued is the right word because the way Chris Claremont writes her, she is like a rescue, like a puppy that needs house trained. And her characterization struggles for a good decade. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah. this is also they don't even the call of, her uh, Laura, Laura in this, do they? They do not. No. They Just only call X-23. her X twenty three or X twenty three. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is also around the time of the uh, new new X Men. Yes. Um, the, so yes. we have our teams of Emma and Danny and the Hellions and the New Mutants, and that's all weird things. So that's mixed in. But this is the issue that Chris mentioned, where Beast uh, dresses up like Santa Claus and then puts clown noses on. Everyone, uh, Cyclops and no, Emma, in an Cyclops. image that I cannot erase from my mind. I I kind of love it. Oh like, yeah, no, not necessarily the Beast of Santa. I like Kitty and Rachel as the elves. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. I enjoy that. Well, that's and funny. I enjoy that's the clown funny. noses on no. Emma and no. Scott. I do. And I love Emma getting nailed in the face with a snowball. Like the expression in that panel. Oh, that's fine. I love, I, I don't know. I just liked him goofy. I, I'm glad we didn't see a full on kiss with the clown noses on. We saw the beginnings of what was going to become a kiss. Smush those noses. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the thing about comics. You're always just seeing in between the panels. That's where the real action happens. <laughs> if we want to get real Scott McCloud on this, these all are all just simple moments in the margins, the gutters. That's where the real nose smushing does occur. I'm really True. glad that you understand comics. <laughs> <laughs> there is a uh, another nose smush here as um, Gambit gets his eyesight back by kissing Sage. Okay. And they do not trust Sage, Un- the untrustable Tessa at this point. Still. They, they didn't yep. trust Sage in the, the last issue we just talked about in 109. Okay, okay, well... Here's the difference between that last issue and this issue, which you would have no idea, Christy. Okay. Um, just because this was an ass pull by Claremont at the time. Uh, 100% was. Uh, Sage was Sebastian Shaw's, uh, like, secretary, sexy evil secretary for uh, all of X-Men. Like, you know the Dark this is, Phoenix this is saga? A, this is a retcon, by the way. There was always just, like, a dark-haired woman hanging out. Right. Named Tessa. Yeah, she was complicit in the Dark Phoenix saga, like, as a spy for Claremont. Or not Claremont, Xavier. Xavier, Oh my god, was she a spy for Claremont? (laughs) 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 That's how he could write all these stories. (laughs) She was a spy, so her showing up in that last one was like, oh look, she's now a good guy. And it was a big reveal that came out of nowhere. Versus this, where she's been like on the team for five years, and maybe they should not hate her. I don't know if um, I could just like get a random kiss and get like my eyesight restored. That that sounds Gambit good. does a lot of kissing, a lot of kissing yeah. from Gambit. Yeah, um, the the humans from the beginning of the story who got saved come to Christmas dinner. They're like, "Sorry, we hated you so much before. Now we're tolerant." And, uh, I do okay. Not that that's how the real world works, but in this fake comic book world, it's nice. that is like that's like a sweet Christmas miracle. <laughs> it, it, this is like even more syrupy than normal. So yes, yes. yes. I mean they they even go to a hospice to serve food to the patients. Yes, like that's nice. It is I like think. the it, this is like a a like this is like the hallmarkiest Christmas X Men that exists. I feel like what's up with the uh, Force Ghost uh, Charles and mags here they're in genosha at the time right yeah, yeah are they buddy, telepathically but... being projected is that what's i going think on so who could say they look like force ghosts they do i <laughs> they really do look like it's the end of I'm return like, of the jedi dead. oh i just thought there was strange lighting that they were just there lurking no it, it's really <laughs> return of the jedi right the force ghosts show yeah. up then there's fireworks it's true. It's true. Yeah. There should have been a moment get... with like sentinel heads and they'd be like playing drums with them. Oh, that'd be great. Yep. We do get uh, an absolutely terrible drawing of Jubilee on the last page of this as she shouts, next issue, new year, new writer, new story. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Is she breaks the fourth wall. Uh, <laughs> listen, listen. If you had just dealt with three to four years of Chuck Austin comics, you would also be breaking the fourth wall to celebrate. Yeah, well, I, Jubilee is in the right here. Yeah. Jubilee's got that weird chin thing that I was talking about on the on the uh, Fox episode 
Like mm-hmm. Salvador Larroca should not draw faces from this angle. He yeah, hey, Christy, was this it. your favorite art of the one? I just I have to know if it was this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A lot of people like Sal. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen, this is not ter- like look. Yeah, this is know, this is by far. Worst, I mean, some of his better work. Sal. This is solid yeah. Sal. I'm yeah. not disagreeing. He just it's just he just really does not give a crap anymore. It feels like. Hey. hey. If you cannot give a crap and still get paid, I support you. Well, I don't think he's been on a book in over a year. So we'll <laughs> well, then see. I don't support that. Uh, what he, is Salvador? he did. He did the Paragon collection that Marvel did yep. uh, have us advertise for and did not give us enough money to buy, which was mm. fun. That's a fun little behind the scenes of the Paragon collection ads, folks. It was on uh, uh, Claremont's table. We should have just read it there. We should have, we should have just, just sat down. You were arguing with them. Well, I don't know. What was who did the art on Kang? Was that Salvador Larroca? No, that's uh, uh, Carlos Mango. Okay, well then, dang, I don't know. Did he do Doom? Was that the last thing he did? Yeah, yeah, he did that Doctor Doom. He did Doctor Doom. I think that's mm-hmm. the last one, and that was like a 2019 to 2020 book. That was, that was the one. That was the one where he traced the bear, right? Yeah, the cocaine bear. <laughs> yeah, he traced the bear. He did literally trace the bear from the meme. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Doom is riding him through the snow, so it rules, actually. Like, it is, listen, it is listen, listen, hold on. Salvador LaRocca is in the right on that one. That's freaking funny. <laughs> <laughs> that that comic was, like, good for the fact that I had to put up with that art. I've decided. Um, so... Okay. So are we ranking this bad boy? Um, first, I just need to say how much I appreciate Lila Cheney's concert. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot to mention I that. Should've, I should have worn my Lila Cheney shirt. That's true. Um, <laughs> it's got Also, totally ironic that they're celebrating the uh, the new creative team. And the new creative team is the Peter Mulligan era, which is absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, it will continue to be bad. Uh, the creative teams will be bad until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, morale doesn't improve for a while. It does not. Actually, do... actually, no. I think it like after after Milligan, we do get uh Mike Carey and yeah, Supernova. There's some, there's some good stuff there. We that does rule. We do like a Mike Carey. I, um, I'm I'm the Supernova's liker. That's that's what they call me. Also saw Supernova's art this weekend, but I looked at a lot of original art. and couldn't get you away from that booth, dude. You couldn't. There was so much art. There was so much art. I I know. Addiction now. I bought some. I remember remember when you didn't own original art. Me too. Yeah, last year. It was was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, once you start start picking them up and you realize like, oh, this is one of a kind and it's on my wall. You're like, oh. It's like an NFT, except Stop. for it's not dumb as hell. Yeah, it's an NFT, except it's a real thing that no one else, no one else has. It is very non-fungible. Yep. Um, I think this one's better than the first story we talked about. So, mm-hmm. um, is everyone agreeing? I think it's close. I think it's around the same. What are you guys' thoughts, Chris? I liked. I, I think. I, I think I've developed a kinship with 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 Neil Shara in a way that weirdly made me like that first story more. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel, okay. which is funny because I feel like that poor guy almost has like no personality in that issue. You know who okay, dated the so... Omega Sentinel? Uh, I didn't. Oh yeah, that's all. Mm-hmm. So Chris is the dissenting opinion here. Yeah, but it's fine. Okay, I'm not gonna fight so about it. Everybody likes this one better except Chris. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's you know I'm not like you know 
between the two of them, I'm not I'm not deciding that one is like so much higher quality than the other. Uh, Beast in a Santa suit is good. I know Christy <laughs> doesn't like it, but it's good actually. I mean, I agree with Chris. Uh, I was entertained. I, I was also uncomfortable, but I'm okay no. with that. <laughs> okay. Okay, but as as the funny guy, a lot of times, like Beast is in this one, someone being entertained but uncomfortable is an acceptable outcome <laughs> of being the funny guy. Uh, I don't think this is too high, though. Like, I wouldn't go past, like, higher than the end of New Mutants, or I am even more entertained by the time Dazzler became the Herald of Galactus. At That's, yeah, that Dazzler. sounds better. That's going be, to be my ceiling here. Um, I would say this is probably better than Wolverine Enemy of the State. Mm, no, Enemy of the State is better than this. Are you sure? It has that great JRJR art. Again, we don't have to get into how great or not great that JRJR art was. <laughs> it's probably good, okay. though. It's, but I don't think it's this is better than the... Squary. I don't think this is better than the the Phoenix versus the Beyonder stuff at, at 427. Okay, I think this is probably better than uh, the Wolverine and Jubilee mini. Uh, yes, and it's probably better than What If 13. Then uh, let's just put it there. Guys, do you have feelings about What If 13? No. Just Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. I didn't, I, I didn't want to not include you, but I assume that you don't read along with us every week. The, the concept of What If uh, was created by the comic creator who lived closest to where I lived when we were both children. Uh, not we were not children at the same time, but you're talking you're talking about Roy the boy Thomas, friend of the site. I am, I am. Who you can just email him and he'll I give you an interview. Anyone, just to be clear, anyone who we interview is a friend of us now. <laughs> That's the rule. He answered his That's email and was like, "Sure, I'll talk about what if." That sounds fine. That was great. Thanks, Roy. Roy the boy, baby. He uh, attended comic burnings in my home county and would go and bring some comics he didn't want anymore. And then when people when people started to put stuff on the pile, he would go and grab ones he hadn't read yet before they burned them. <laughs> my man, that rules. Well, it's that funny though because it, it is implied that he did burn his own old comics <laughs> that he did not want to read anymore. Yeah, but he was like, yeah, but these are trash. <laughs> like I'm not burning them for moral reasons. It's just other no. people shouldn't. Have- to read yeah <laughs> i appreciate the effort to turn it into a swap meet you know yeah he basically turned it into a swap meet where he didn't actually have to like give anybody else a comic so if he still really wanted them he would he could keep up but i love it yeah oh man um that was just right. table stakes so this is going to be our new what uh 429 oh yeah i already scrolled away it's done cool beans all right, we got one left, and this is part of the uh, series of Marvel Holiday Specials, um, which started coming out in the 90s. Yeah, this um, one's from 07. Yep, and uh, specifically, we want to look at the first story here, which is also the cover, which is uh, a Wolverine-Spidey crossover called Piece of Cake. Um, yeah, so this is 2007, which is peak Wolverine and Spider-Man are friends, I guess. Do you guys eat cake on Christmas? Never. Mm-mm. Never have this, I ever. This story features a like multi-tiered wedding cake. It's huge. That, he's supposed, that Peter is supposed to be delivering to Aunt May for Christmas. And he's tried this multiple, multiple years. Like, yeah. Every year. Yeah. The, the premise of this story okay. is silly. <laughs> I had just accepted the premise of the story I was like, without <laughs> questioning it. 
Wait, you didn't question the fact that he's holding? No, this is not a thing that people do. You're absolutely right. I was like, maybe other people do it in other parts of the country. Uh, okay, but even we if they all did, live in different Christmas parts of the country. <laughs> would you ever actually just carry it a three-tiered <laughs> wedding-style cake around town with you? Like, uh, this no, is no, something you it would be very structurally unsafe. No, you get those delivered. Is what you do. <laughs> yes. That's a listen. My I... wife, my wife is a great baker. She has made some tall cakes. I'm sure mm-hmm. she has made some tall, complex cakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are not carrying those willy nilly through the streets of Manhattan. No, you're not just gonna. You're not have one uncovered with that cake. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> yeah, just no, bring you're... it with you to work. Yeah, that Especially... was also wild. He just brought. He's just like, oh, I gotta stop by work. Better bring in this whole cake. <laughs> well, and it's implied that he's been standing there for two and a half hours with a cake. While J. Jonah Jameson berates him for bad photos uh-huh. while he's holding the three tiered cake. It is a silly, <laughs> silly thing. It really is. Um, so Wolverine's in the sewers, uh, getting sewage on him, which great, good for looking good for, for discarded sentinels. And you know where you put a sentinel is in the sewer, a place where it could not fit. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is definitely a uh, air duct uh, situation. So I, I was going to say it's duct adjacent. <laughs> so I have crawled. This is skill trades. It is. I've crawled through underground tunnels before. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So on our Why? campus, there was one day where a friend, I was walking between, uh, this was in college, between buildings, and a guy just pops out of a hole in the ground. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> What? Not what? like a maintenance worker. No, it was a maintenance. Oh, worker. it was a maintenance. Yeah, worker. and oh. I was like, "What?" I thought it was just a guy. I was like, "Is there stuff down there?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. This is how we pipe steam around, and there's like, there's this is how we pipe the water. Anyway, these go all over campus. All right, well, have a good day." And I was like, <laughs> "He can't just tell me this and expect me to not like get in these tunnels." And Chris, so I cannot believe that, that was well. And this so, so not... later that day, I got my friend who was the most up for mischief, and we got. They don't lock them, so we just <laughs> we just opened up the. And it was a, it was not a very particularly heavy one. We just opened it up and went in there and saw where it went for a while, and Chris, a sentinel could not Chris, fit in there. Why was that your first thought? <laughs> I have to go in the hole in the ground. No, no. I get it. I get it. I get it. No, what's wild it. is like he and another guy went much more extensively later. They found a path into the power plant because our, our campus wow. had its own power plant. Wow. They found one that went into the psychology building from the outside. However, the door out of the maintenance closet into the psychology building was locked. So you can't actually get into the psychology building at large from this tunnel. Okay, so just give us a picture here. Are you crawling around down there, or are you no? Able you can to stand, stand up. up. We had to okay. hunch a little bit, and at one point uh, there was standing water, so we had to walk oh, on a insulated pipe. Probably not a good idea. Oh, gross. Um, okay, All so this is bad. I'm glad that you could stand up in there. You're definitely right. You can't fit a sentinel. You in cannot. There. <laughs> that was a, uh, my tangent. Are large beings. Yes. Um, but you know what? You can fit in there. Uh, a disgruntled Santa Claus worker. <laughs> yeah, a disgruntled Santa Claus worker who rewires a sentinel and paints it jolly and holly to ruin Christmas. You know, Let didn't me tell we you. have evil Santa Clauses in last Christmas Christmas episode? Oh, uh, yes. probably. Didn't yes. we have like a band of evil mall Santas? That yes, were I think we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So this is year two of evil Santa. And bad Santa. I'm just saying if, if mall Santa can rewire a sentinel, like I feel like he could find other employment. He sounds very hireable. (laughs) Honestly. Well, I mean, listen, this was 2007. This was this was kind of at the peak of the economy. The house housing bubble was booming. Oh, yeah, it's true. It was it's true. Listen, it could be it could be challenging to find really strong trade tradesmen work. I I'm mean, just kidding. No my question is that this sentinel has jingle bell feet. Well, yeah, he, he did, has he did that. He right? has elf shoes with jingle bells on the end, he did and I'm just curious mod. if like fired mall santa and we'll find out why he got fired in a moment oh um, i forgot we, about this yeah we alluded that does to it earlier worse did he recreate this sentinel and like give it its custom red paint job and like what's going on with this sentinel <laughs> so that it's he, christmas themed he does heavily modify it yeah he he's like inside of it like it's a mech and that's not usually what a sentinel is either I am so disappointed that I've had to think so deeply about the plot of this because I enjoyed it until I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the majority of it is, is you know, Spider-Man trying to avoid this cake, like right. getting splatted while he and Wolverine try and stop the Sentinel. Cute little story, but none of it makes Which sense. Is, it's written by Andrew Fargo and Shannon Garrity uh, with Luke Kang on the pencils. I don't know any of these creators, but that's fine. A lot of times these are like tryout sort of situations, right? Like these really, these so. like vignettes. Right. So yeah, sure. it's possible that we just <laughs> did not see them much after this. Yeah. Um, well, we do find out why Mall Santa got fired, which was that he, let me just get pull it up here. He- that's the guy we fired last year for stealing $5,000 worth of panties from the lingerie department. <laughs> That's a lot of underpants. Like, yes. And I'm just trying to imagine carrying. Maybe it wasn't all at once. It can't be all at once. This is quite the heist this guy is organized. You know, maybe maybe he stuck him in the How much in inventory do you think a lingerie department holds at a given time? Right? Like, that'd be like the whole store. It's a, it's a, that's a lot. Uh, And there's, there's multiple different implications that you could make from it. None of it's very um, good in different ways. No. Yeah, it's not uh, good for goofs, you know? Like, Yeah, it, no. You could wear and throw away underwear every day for years after stealing that much underwear. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if that was his thing, I'm not going to I'm not going to shame him for that, but it's excessive. So is he really selling is. it? I mean, what's un- what, what's underwear run like seven dollars? Uh, it depends. Like, I buy right? I buy them in, I buy them in like a four pack because I'm, <laughs> I'm an adult, so I don't I don't know the piece price. Um, but what you you Zach go to Target? They have their five for twenty deals. Yep. There you go. So, you go. so if we're, we're going talking. for like Target women's panties, because I assumed lingerie department women's underwear. Yeah, right. Sure. Well, I was, I was thinking. Yes, I was thinking this was more of like a, a Macy's or a Sears situation See, because I, there's a Santa involved. I thought it was like mm. a Victoria's Secret sort of scenario. Oh, oh, and oh. That, I mean, Victoria's Secret okay. though—they basically give away their panties. Mm. 
Yeah, they make all the money on the brasiers. Which are... <laughs> Actually, the sweatpants. It's the sweatpants, really. They get, it's they, those pink sweatpants. I was going to say, they say the word pink on them. They say the word pink. That's that's what you want. Anyway, we are talking so, okay, about okay. at least two years' worth of underwear. So, at the target price of 5 for 20 we are talking about 1,250 pairs of underwear. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. 1,250 <laughs> pairs of underwear. 1,250 <laughs> pairs of underwear. There's the Christmas song. We did it. There we go. <laughs> Five years running. Uh, y'all, if you can't tell, we're definitely recording this one later than we usually do <laughs> in the evening. I do like the way this story ends, though. Oh, where um, Wolverine bakes a cake? And I love the reveal of it, because not only does Wolverine bake the cake, Peter also just happened to, like, take pictures of him baking the cake. And this is in a time where, you know, we don't have, like, digital. So it's all on the same role that he gives to J. Jonah Jameson, uh-huh. which the fact that like develops the whole role and sees Wolverine baking and is like, yes, this is the front page. I, and all I love of that it. is in all of that is good, except for the fact that I know Wolverine does not know how to bake a cake. There's I think Wolverine can cook red meat and that's all. I think I think that's it. I don't think I think pasta may be out of his reach. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's been on this earth a long time. He could probably follow a box recipe and make a cake. He's done a very bad job of being on this earth for a long time. <laughs> his success rate at living is poor. I mean, in his defense, his reaction to having his photo uh, published on the cover of the Daily Bugle is to go with Iceman and try and kill J. Jonah James. <laughs> That's right. It rules. It rules, That's actually. I don't really have much to say about anything else in this issue other than there's a weird Mike Carey story at the end that features a Mongaverse uh, cameo of Mongaverse Cyclops, which following the second story by Akira Yoshida is an interesting choice. Ugh. Anyway, I, I think this is cute. I just don't like understand the premise because you don't eat a tiered wedding cake for Christmas. You don't just don't think so much, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you'll enjoy the comics better if you just don't think so much about them christy we have Stupid deep discussions brain. about comics on our podcast <laughs> that you think about yeah yeah and how much do i like those comics afterwards that's fair i like i do like christy's no thoughts only vibes attitude when it comes to this I was like it was it was fun until i thought about I mean, did I have some thoughts about that's a big cake to just be carrying around, but I shoved that down, <laughs> deep down, and I kept reading and it was fun. Y'all I, I agree, it is fun. I think Christy might be right here. Yes. Christy is right. It is silly. I think it would work just as well with a pie, but it is more visual if it's a three tiered wedding cake. So wait, what do you guys bake for Christmas? Now I'm curious. Cookies. I mean, cookies yeah okay your cookies. you might make a, a yule log i feel like Ooh, i've had cheesecake on christmas hmm sure i feel like at or, your family's house Christy, i feel like they it's still get the, the four... Oh yeah they get the gluten-free cheesecake no no oh that's no, a crime no 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 <laughs> gluten-free cheesecake adam wreck 
wait, I didn't make it. I can't eat cheesecake at all. I don't, I'm lactose intolerant. They would oh, look that. at me. I can't properly process dairy. <laughs> Ugh, who cares? <laughs> Poor Adam. He has to, he has to medicate for pizza. It's, you know, it's a tough time. All right. Where are we putting this on the list? <laughs> Do we think this is better than the other two? I mean, this one no. didn't have nudes, but it did have panties. So and we're talking yeah. like naughty and nice because that was the scale for Christmas. <laughs> this is pretty naughty. <laughs> Listen, the Draco is at the bottom and that might be the naughtiest comic. That is a, the naughtiest of all comics. That is not the naughtiest comic on this list. <laughs> Hold on. Havoc threatens to give Iceman a piss body in that one. <laughs> it's still not. It's still not Phoenix Legacy of Fire. Oh, that's true. Uh-oh. That hurts us in other ways. Ugh, I hate when we have to mention that book. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love it. It's so, so we're bad. saying this is the worst of the three? I mean, I, I think it is, but it's, it's you know, it's not like... It's like right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not egregious. Right, like it... I think it's better than the Paris story we talked about before, the all-new X-Men story. Uh, Probably better than Generation M. Yep. I think it's on par with this A Force story uh, at four fifty. Dazzler Thor. I think it's better than A Force below uh, the New Mutants Return of the Legion. I agree. All right, so this is going to be our new four fifty. So, a bunch of four hundred stories here, but uh, there there was some holiday fun in there. Yeah, more well, like four hundred. I was going to say I had a lot of holiday fun with my friends, Chris and Chris, but I actually don't know if that's true anymore. Um, no, this is great. Chris Christie, uh, what what do you guys got going on? What should the folks know about? We check in on you every year. How y'all, how y'all doing? Uh, well, you can still check out our podcast. Um, we're at Chris's Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so you can catch us there. You can catch Chris doing... Uh, writing and editing at cxf and yep. christy you might get back I've been, I've been a little burned out but we'll see we'll see i still have i still have a sibolsky comic to write about oh at some point that is it is in the <laughs> it's, tank it I have, sits on our shelf i have i have Oof. written the intro it is painful i will get there <laughs> uh, i know Someday. i am very excited to be on the show in the new year so uh I think uh, Chris Wait, and I have solidified. Wait, on what show? What show Christmas. are you doing without I, me? What are you I, doing without me? I am a patron of Chris's on Infinite Earths, and I am going to be a guest with uh, my story. What was? What did I end up deciding on? Oh, can I tell them? Uh, yeah, it's fine. No, you don't want me to tell them. You just that the it's, tone of your voice said no. Well, no, I was just thinking about how because we've started to schedule out the next year, and yours is like I think end of January. So okay, yeah, okay, yeah, we can say okay. that. We can say that. So I can I can say yeah. that it's the Walt Simonson Art Adams new Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. the Monsters I am Unleashed. So excited to talk about that with you guys. Hey. <laughs> Y'all are just stretching the word crossover to be whatever you feel like talking about, right? Because I love that. Uh, well, Zach, originally I wanted them to read Deathmate, but that's not a, that didn't fit their rules of availability online. So uh, I we're <laughs> we're doing a fan favorite here. Good, good. I don't think <laughs> actually no. I do want to know Chrissy Christie's opinion on Deathmate. 
No, I'm not making, we would never make Christy <laughs> the, read the comic that. that you're supposed to be able to read in any order, but there's definitely an order, but it also doesn't make sense even in order. <laughs> There's, this sounds there's like an, exactly the sort of thing I would vibe with. It doesn't matter what order I read the comic. No, in. but can, it does. No, it doesn't. Not there's for me. an optimal order, but it's it's, it's still, still not enough. No, don't don't do that to yourself. I read Zero um, Hour in reverse order and still basically understood. That's <laughs> very funny. To be fair, it literally counts down as a gimmick. <laughs> But I don't think they put it in that order on the on the app. I think you they put it. Shove zero your one. confusion deep down and just dive on. Sometimes the app is wrong. You're like, oh no, obviously it should go one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> yeah. Numbers Duh. numbers matter, right? Oh man. Oh uh, folks. You can you can find us over at ComicsXF. Uh mm-hmm. having all sorts of fun and vibes. Uh and it's always it's always like a fun time. Uh, Adams, you're doing some cool fun stuff, aren't you, buddy? I guess uh, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and um, Zach. We have some bonus content uh, for this episode after we uh, have wrapped up ranking here, right? So you mentioned yeah. who do you yeah, have we coming actually, up? We we have a Christmas present for you guys. Yeah, um, it is our conversations uh, from this weekend at C two E two. Uh, Adams with legendary lethal Larry Hama mm-hmm. and mine with uh, Chris Claremont. And we're very excited about that. I only got into a 45 minute fight with Chris Claremont about Nanny. <laughs> Fight's the wrong word. I was no. trying to end it, and Chris Claremont kept asking questions. At a certain point, you kind of just want to see where it's going. <laughs> see, I, wait, I have. Where is he going with this? I only have that one thought about what... Nanny, which is the fan theory that she's actually really hot in there. Oh. Well, yeah. I, What's the ventilation like? She's got to get very warm. I would have asked Chris Claremont about it. <laughs> Here's the thing. Nanny's definitely attractive. I also never want to see Nanny outside of the egg. I think that would be wrong. Yeah, it's like true. That, it's true. We've seen that, her silhouette. Yeah, as it, she's go. a bombshell. I get it. <laughs> um, however, that 45-minute uh, back and forth is not what we recorded we didn't i kind of y'all i don't want to say i picked on an old man but some would call it bullying at a certain point zachary Zach, no listen 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 he kept asking me questions i simply answered them correctly (laughs) he was like but wait what about all of that jim starlin stuff i was like chris you just read it wrong it all restarts with moira come on buddy get with the program Anyway, Chris Claremont's son is a delight, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure he's like, if we see those guys at uh, at another con, we are calling security. <laughs> no, because, because, hold on. Now we have to get this on record. One, as I was walking away, uh, after costing Chris Claremont, I say I cost him. Chris Claremont cost himself several hundred dollars mm-hmm. in signings because he wanted to argue with me. Uh, he said, well, never going to see those guys again. <laughs> Little did he know that I had already scheduled an interview with his son the next day, so I switched my glasses, and he was none the wiser. <laughs> so, did he really uh, say and... never going to see those guys again? Yes, yes. he, did. he Hilarious. did. Hilarious. He said it. Chris Claremont is fantastic, y'all. I love it so much. You, you know we love Papa Chris here. We do. We wouldn't be I here don't. without him. I, sure I don't do. think I called I don't think I called him Daddy Chris, but I might have. <laughs> 
so enjoy the bonus content. Uh, we hope everybody has a, a happy and safe holiday. And uh, what do we got going on next week, Zach? Next week, we have a really fun conversation with Ben Percy talking about uh, Wolverine, X-Force, and then the uh, 10 lives and X-Deaths of Wolverine. It's nice. really cool. Go check out that interview next week. Uh, but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Hey guys, this is Adam. We're at C2E2 2021, and I am here with lethal Larry Hama. Larry, how's your con going? It's very good. It's a really good turnout for my stuff, at least. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed you've had a nice line throughout the weekend, and uh, you're doing something unique, which I don't see a lot of uh, writer-artist combos do. You're, you're taking uh, sketch commissions. Yeah, I, well, I've, been, I have always done this. Yeah. But I, I just do pencil sketches at cons. I don't do like ink commissions or anything yeah it's it's got to be pretty time consuming right but to do a, a full like full on yeah you know. know and i'm not i'm not really an inker you know i mean i i, I started out doing that a long time ago but uh, you know what i can do best is uh conceptual and layouts and breakdowns and uh storytelling i'm, I'm a storyteller more than a finished finished artist yeah i think recently we reviewed uh the daredevil wolverine crossover and uh we noticed you were you were the artist on that oh yeah that yeah. was the early job yeah <laughs> way way back yeah the first time i ever drew wolverine it's really cool um speaking of wolverine uh you are back with the character with uh a short arc on x-men legends how has it felt getting back to the character oh it's like going home I'm doing another arc too. So, very cool. Um, I think one of the things that people recognize the most from your work with Wolverine is uh, the way you wrote him. Uh, I personally am a huge fan of Jubilee, and I feel like uh, your work with that character has kind of been, aside from the animated series, what people really think of when they think of her character. Um, how did you approach writing her originally, and then uh, now that you're coming back to the book? Well, you know, I, I think I understand where she's coming from, you know, and uh, she's, you know, she's a, a very consistent character, you know, and, you know, and I like her. So I, I try to project that into it. You know, she has her vulnerabilities and stuff, but, uh, you know, she's, she's cool. So, and, you know, I've been playing around with her powers, too, that, you know, because at first her powers seemed awfully ineffectual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, then one day I realized, gee, if she could make that happen, you know, in somebody's nether regions, that, that would be pretty uh, upsetting. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, all of a sudden it, it became a viable, you know, weapon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Now, uh, you have said and you hinted uh, just a minute ago that uh, you have another art coming up. Um, are you allowed to spill the beans on anything we might be able to expect, even just generally? I can't even keep track of what's out there. You know, <laughs> I mean, do, uh, which arc of... See, I did an arc of uh, Albert and LCD right. in Madripoor. Then I just did a, a, a Wolverine and... Uh, uh, Jubilee uh, in three Asian countries. Yep. 
you know. Uh, and uh, now I'm doing um, Patch. Oh, cool. You know, in Madripoor. Very nice. With, uh, with some new characters. And, you know, the, the, the uh, usual supporting cast for Madripoor, you know, like um, the Tiger Tiger and uh, uh, General Coy and the Prince and, you know, it's, and it was fun dusting them off because in, in, in the present continuity I think they're all dead well that's what I was going to ask do you find like a freedom in the fact that you don't have to worry about contemporary con- continuity you're yeah, allowed to just kind of and also you know I, I like uh, I like those older characters you know it's, it's a, I think it's really messed up that when people come onto a, a title they they just start killing people off <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, why don't you just retire them in case somebody else wants to do them, you know, rather than, you know, kill them off because the next guy comes along, they, they resurrect them, yeah. you know, and <laughs> so it, it's, it's, it's senseless. It's Art. just, uh, you know, people's egos out of control. Are you uh, keeping up with any of the new X-Men stuff in the current era? I haven't read a single one. Okay. All right. Uh, so, I mean, because honestly, I, I haven't bought a comic, paid money for a comic since uh, 1963. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you know, when, when both companies gave me the bundles, every month I would get every single comic that Marvel and DC did. Oh, that's so cool. You know, in a bundle. But that all stopped. Yeah. You know. So I don't go to comic book shops and buy comics. Yeah. If people want me to read something, you know, they can send it to you. They can send it to me. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I'll take the trouble to go back and do the homework. You know, mm-hmm. if they send me the stuff. You know, and now in the digital age, it shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I wrote the. Uh, Death of Captain America novelization without ever having read any of those books beforehand. Yeah. They just sent me all, you know, links to the, the digital versions. And I read, like, the entire, that entire run, plus something like four years or five years of Captain America, plus, you know, a couple of years of other ancillary characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brought me up to speed. Right. You know, um, when I took on Wolverine, I had never actually read Wolverine. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, they were going to cancel the book because of the numbers really were, were terrible. Okay. So they, you know, and I've been bugging them to give me another book to write. And they, I guess they figured Hama couldn't, you know, mess this up any worse than it was. And, uh, you know, within a year, it was number two selling book in the country. You know, so I was like, <laughs> and I, 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 that still couldn't convince them that I, that I could write. Really? Yeah. See, I, well, I think they, they told me that the, the success, of, the success of GI Joe, when it was number one selling book in the country, yeah, was a fluke, had nothing to do with my writing. And they said the same thing about Wolverine. Hmm. And I said. Well, you know, what can I say? 
that when I took on G.I. Joe, they, the old pros told me that if I took on a toy book, a license book, I would never be offered an A-list book ever again in my life. Wow. And they were right. Oh. I was never offered an A-list book while it was an A-list book. Uh-huh. I took D-list books and made them into A-list books. <laughs> Well, sometimes that's a solid strategy, you know what I mean? I mean, I think you're you're probably most well-known for G.I. Joe and Wolverine. Um, do you are, do you have, like, regrets about that legacy, or are you, like, really sat- satisfied and happy with what you got to write? I'm glad I got to write anything, because I spent, you know, I had to draw comics for close to 20 years before they would let me write one. Yeah. And it was all, I think a lot of it is all because all the editors were writers. Okay. And, you know, an artist writing their own stuff is, is terribly threatening. It's also money out of their pockets. Mm-hmm. You know, if all the artists started writing their own stories, you know, all these editors would be out of work. Right. So there was tremendous resistance. I was a full editor at Marvel. I couldn't get a, a single Marvel editor to give me writing work. It was, it was so bad that I was able to prove that to the editor-in-chief and he gave me special dispensation as a full editor at Marvel to write for other companies. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's wild. Um, yeah. Now, this week, I, I want to ask you a little more of a serious question here. This week, uh, you, you made a post about um, a colleague of yours in the bullpen who was experiencing just some pretty outright racism. Uh, in the no, bullpen. No, it wasn't what you call outright racism. It was just sort of insensitivity. I mean, you know, Maury was, you know, a beloved character. You know, mm-hmm. People really liked him, you know. Uh, but, you know, the, the culture and the, uh, the atmosphere at Marvel was very much like a small town and, and, and a family. And, you know, you feel uh, freer to, you know, to make sport yeah, of, sure. of, of, like, you know, your, cousin, your freaky cousin than you would of a total stranger, right? Um, and, you know, he just never... Uh, I understand that one, one year he finally did explode. And... Um, but he still didn't explain why. And it wasn't until after he died that, that they find that they found out that uh, about his military experience. Yeah. Um, no, it, 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 there wasn't an awful lot of racism and malice at, at Marvel. I mean, uh, Marvel was always pretty diverse. You know, Marvel always had you know uh, black and Latino uh, artists. And, writers uh, at one point most of the most of the letterers in the comic book industry were Japanese American mm-hmm. you know um, like this is just, you know one guy gets into the slot and he says oh you know cousin Bill come on come on in the water's fine you know <laughs> it's like it's like why they're you know all the the coffee shops in New York are run by Greeks you know with all the <laughs> The dry cleaners are Korean, and you know all the uh, the food markets were Korean. You know, it was like, you know, one person 
you know, tests the water and says, hey, you know, this is, this is cool. Um, no, I thought Marvel was pretty good for that. Okay. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking a couple minutes here. Okay. Uh, last question. Yeah. We know you've got uh, another arc of X-Men Legends coming up. Yeah. Anything else that uh, you're working on that you want to just make people aware of? Well, uh, a lot of stuff I can't talk about. Oh, okay. Super secret <laughs> stuff. Okay. You know, uh, you know, movie projects, other projects. Um, but I'm still doing G.I. Joe. I'm up to issue number 290. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, keeping my hand in the game. Good. Hopefully a few more things from Marvel. That would be great. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes today. It's been great. Okay. Thank you. I'm sitting here on the floor of C2E2 with Chris Claremont, legend from writing uh, X-Men, Iron Fist, Spider-Man Team, or, or Marvel Team, excuse me, a lot of things. Uh, Chris, how's your show going so far? So far, so good. Good, good, good. Now, we we, uh, we like to get some hard-hitting questions here. We like to be some really strong journalists. Uh, Chris Claremont, what was with that time that you turned Rachel into a dinosaur? What do you mean? Did, did Alan Davis just want to draw dinosaurs? Or did you want to just make her a dinosaur? I'd love to know. Six of one, half dozen of the other? That's a very good It's answer. like... If you're dealing with a different culture and a different technology and a different attitude towards from one side versus the other, why not mess things up? Also, her transformation was not intentional. It was an accident. Partially, I think the interaction of the... Uh, the solid tech technology with her own powers as a young phoenix, it got out of hand. Mm -hmm. And I would point out, referencing the story, the the uh, her adversaries, the the uh, Sorids, were as surprised and freaked out by this as she was. That's good. That's good. Now you have you have a long history with X Men. Obviously, you were with uh, you know 17 years on the books. Took some time off. Came back and <laughs> we're not. That's into, the that, most. That's record. That is that's, the most tactful way of phrasing. You got fired. I have ever heard. Listen, you you came back in 2000. It was a very interesting time. I'm curious in the time that had elapsed. And I got fired six issues later, as it was. I wasn't bringing that up. But hey, you got Extreme with Sal. That's a that's a fun book. I saw some original pages of that earlier today. It was beautiful. Well, Extreme didn't come around for till two years later. Did it not? No. And who can remember timelines anymore? But my question to you with that is, you know, when you were coming back to relaunch for the Revolutions era, how did you want X-Men to change in that time, knowing that you had spent some time away from it, knowing that the franchise had gone through a lot of boom and bust in that period? What did you want to do with your time there? Well, the irony was I didn't want... The deal when I came back as vice president right. and editorial director... That was in 98, I believe? Yeah was I would happily do any other series, I would not touch the X-Men. Sure. Uh, so I, I loved Salva, working with Salva on the Fantastic Four. That was a, that was a dream. Uh, but I ended up doing a couple of fill-in issues, not fill-in issues, filling in the writing, with working with Alan Davis, mm -hmm. uncredited, my decision. Were, were, were those the stuff around the 12, or? What? Was that the story around the 12, or? I believe so. I off the top of my head I can't remember fair enough fair enough but the interesting 
circumstance with coming on for the reboot was the editorial decision that they wanted a six-month gap okay. between the last issue of the previous run and my first issue, which is why everything was so different. Mm-hmm. Nightcrawler was a postulant uh, priest. Kitty and the team were in outer space. Um, we were throwing curves right, left, and center. Um, I mean, from a purely selfish standpoint, I thought that the Adam Kubert came up with the best Phoenix outfit I've ever mm-hmm. I've seen. My favorite, certainly. Okay. Uh, even if it only lasted like seven issues. Um, the problem was that. Marvel was in a period of corporate conflict sure. in that the the company was being sold and the new administration we were just getting started and when the new administration took over uh, Joe Quesada had significantly other ideas mm-hmm. so before we even hit the ground to run I was off. Sure. So all of that, all of those ideas, all of the characters, the Neo, the um, the bionic guy, uh, guys whose name I can't remember, they all vanished. Mm-hmm. Which for me was really frustrating because I had worked out a dynamic uh, and a history, or, sure. and and um, you know an ongoing arc ambition. And it, it, not only was it all gone, it was all gone in a way that meant I, it would be very difficult for me to come back to it. Right. So, now when basically you, I was, it was a waste of time. Now, when you did come back with Extreme just a couple of years later, like you were saying, you introduced a lot of new elements to that team. You really made it your own by adding characters uh, like Sage, who you had you know, written as Tessa in the past and really gave her a bit to do in that 2000s revolution stuff as well as Slipstream and Lifeguard. What was the impetus to add specifically those last two characters to the team? What dynamic do you think they brought that others hadn't? New characters, different characters, an Australian approach to it. Again, this is what I, I like to do. It's If I'm working on a series, I want, I want it to evolve. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see the same people over and over again. I was trying to establish a newer generation um, and again, it didn't last. I mean, right. it was great so long as, for the two years plus that that Salva and I were working on it, and then Igor Corday and I were working on yep. it. It was a hell of a lot of fun. But then reality changed, um, and the book vanished, and that that was that. Now, Chris, last question here. You always say that, you know, your favorite comic's the next one you're going to write. It's true. What do you have on the docket? Anything that people should be looking forward to? Well, I have a Nightcrawler one-off coming out in February, which is the prelude to Excalibur Special Edition. It's It bridges the gap between the moment in Uncanny where Kitty, in Muir, on Muir Island, sees the report of the X-Men's death yep. and her telling it to Kurt, and... And the beginning of Excalibur. 
Now, is that covering any of the ground that you and uh, I'm blanking on his name, excuse me, we're going to be, uh, Rick Leonardi, we're going to be covering in that Phoenix miniseries that never happened? No. Okay. So this is this is a different take on that same period. It's, Phoenix isn't part of this. Sure. So it's, it, it is parallel. Parallel. Perfect. Well, and then there's another series that apparently is has popped up at least people are asking me about it here I have no idea whether it's they found out what how they found out but I am doing something with with Gambit that's a that's very mini series that's very exciting to hear Chris thank you so much for your time I hope you have a great show you too